ever minister Selanda Beni Abrams, she's joining us here in the studio. We'll be talking about uh, the program that she'll be heading in the Eastern Cape, and that will be in Emond in um, East London. Thank you so much, Minister, for joining us uh, here on Ubuntu Radio. Really a pleasure for you to join us. Thank you so much, and good afternoon to all our listeners in their respective areas. Mm, now, thank you so much for taking time to speak to us. I mean, the significance of this day to South African youth and also youth in the African continent. The AUS also endorsed this day, it's a, youth, a day of the youth as well. How significant is it to you? I think this is a very important day for all youth in the continent. And of course, not with being specific to what happened on what happened on the 16th of June 1976, but building up from that work that was started by the June 16 pioneers who made it sure that they express themselves against the ills that they were faced with. Now, a youth of today not faced with the challenge of being told which language to use, but faced with different circumstances, not only in South Africa, in the entire continent. I think it becomes very important to say this is a day that as we commemorate the work that was done by those uh, in June 16, 1976, but it's to build up to say they fought for our political freedom. They express themselves in relation to education, what is it that they want to see, but what is it that the youth of today must do? And of course, at the end of that is ensuring that they deliver economic freedom for themselves and for the next generation, next generations to come. Now, a continent that has lots of young people, because if you look at the statistics, the number of, of, of young people in the continent is very high. But also when you look at the stats of who is unemployed in South Africa, dominantly are young people. Now, this is why even the AU, when it took this decision to say, let's join South Africa in it, in recognizing this day as a youth day, so that we can solidify all efforts that are meant to ensure that young people's freedom is realized in the true sense. Mm, it's very important. I'm, I'm glad that you're talking about that economic freedom. That is quite important. You are going to lead a very important program for BRICS. South Africa is hosting BRICS this year. Why is it important to educate South Africans about our BRICS membership? This this block that's been getting a lot of attention lately um, over many programs that South Africa is uh, rendering uh, this year as it chairs. The first thing is for South Africans to have an appreciation that South Africa is not an island. Yeah. It functions within the global context. And like any other responsible country, you will form allies whether you're looking at attaining freedom politically or economically, as I said earlier. But now, the BRICS aspect of it is to say, we come together as these countries that want to really have a common purpose in terms of sharing on trade issues. Mm. If you look at uh, the challenges that we face as the BRICS countries, or if you look actually, not just the challenges, if you look at the GDP, the state of the other countries in BRICS outside South Africa, they are bigger states, they are developed states, but what is it that we can learn yeah. as South Africa, which is what informed us being able to say, let's apply to be a member of BRICS+. Plus. Yeah. BRICS+, Plus now, it means that every South African must recognize the opportunities that are presented by this component of these countries that we're talking about, uh, your Russia, your India, all of us, the, the, the Brazil, you've seen now others coming, wanting to come on board, China is there. Mm. How do we leverage on each other's strength in order to develop ourselves within this conduit of, of, of the BRICS plus that we're talking about? So it's very important that our people get to have an appreciation. Why do we choose, why do we choose BRICS mm. and not the other belt? 
as I said, we look at the commonalities in terms of the trade aspects that we have, in terms of the political environment that we want, would want our people to follow and what we would like to build in the different countries. Of course, others will say you are talking about political environment. Look at Russia, how they do things. Look at China. But in all in all, we say there's sovereignty that must be respected. Each and every government and country champions particular needs for its own citizens. But what's important is that what is that we get to share? What are the common areas that we share with these countries? And where can they put us as South Africa, a member of BRICS mm. in this context? I, I, I mean, the Minister, it's, it's, it's quite important that um, you speak of these economic opportunities now because as South Africa chairs this year, one of the reasons why South Africa... Uh, felt that uh, it's important to take various programs that we're doing at BRICS BRICS to various provinces now to make sure that uh, uh, the the people on the ground are aware of various programs that we're doing as well. You headed to East London in the coming days. Um, Your home province. There's been a lot of um, uh, questions in terms of what is what of economic benefits does the Eastern Cape impact? What is of economic benefit do you think BRICS members will find interesting in East London and also in the Eastern Cape because they will have an opportunity also to learn about what's happening in the Eastern Cape as a as a province. Well, the first thing that everybody must appreciate is what the Eastern Cape has chosen to name itself as the home of the legends. Okay. Now building from that legendary experience, what is it that we can then bring on the table to say, come, this is a province that has given birth to lots of our stalwarts, whether you talk about politically or academically, but what does it present? Therefore, what is it that it can offer to those that take interest in appreciating the history that it has? Of course, we're not only talking about a beautiful province when we talk to the scenery, the greenery and everything that you see, but we're talking to a province that is well known for being an automotive hub of South Africa. Whether you talk about Mercedes-Benz that is found in, that is assembled in East London, whether you talk about Volkswagen in Nelson Mandela, this is the autom- this is the province that has really invested a lot in creating a conducive environment for the automobile sector. That's one thing that if you want to come and make a car, come to the Eastern Cape. It's the best province. It has lots of academic institutions. Okay. Uh, which again presents an opportunity for those that want people who are skilled to say, you don't have to be struggling if you're investing here. Mm. We can have programs with different universities because they are here. But this own location is it's along the coastal line. It presents a great opportunity. Whether you're looking at saying the ocean's economy that we must take pride in. But what we have not looked at, if you're talking to, for example, the digital sector, yeah. is how Eastern Cape can position itself through those uh, uh, oceans that I'm talking about to say we want to be a hub for data centers. We know the environment is polluted. We can use the ships, build these data centers amongst other things. Already we're talking about a province that has many IDZs. If you're looking at the the IDZ, the East London IDZ, if you go to the port of Ngoha in in Port Elizabeth, it it actually, it, it presents a lot. I think it's the only province that has about four Four ports. Mm. Nobody else has that. In terms of trade, trade, trade access yes. as well. Mm. Trade access. 
proper environment, clean environment. Okay. But again, the, 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 the ideas that give an opportunity for manufacturing companies, if you go to the East London ideas, I think it has about uh, 40 manufacturing companies that gets to get certain incentives just by virtue of them operating in that area. And now if you're an investor, I don't know what else you're looking for. This is a province that is very good in crop, uh, in crop farming. They have beautiful land that is able to accommodate even if we are looking at beef. Okay. Recently, we, I attended a function uh, that was hosted by the mayor of, of Buffalo City, uh, Her Excellency, Her Worship, uh, Princess Faku, wherein she was reporting that the Chinese have approached them in order to come and plant rice in their province. These are just one of the investments that are there, but the land is That's very good. That's a tangible good. project that we can talk on in terms of partnership of BRICS countries interested in the province. Tangible basis, the challenge mm. now, which presents a business opportunity yeah. to entrepreneurs. Logistical nightmare okay. in the province. With all these good things on the other side of farming, the good land, but there's a logistical nightmare mm. because the province has not invested a lot in processing or in agro-processing. And that's a business opportunity okay. that people should come and partner with the province in saying, we would like us to have access to your beef, access to your crops, whatever that they want in terms of the agri-sector. But what's important is that the space to be invested in. If you were to ask me, why not have a proper train? Mm. Because that would help not only the locals, but also the investors to make sure that there's easy, there's easy way of transporting the stuff that they get there. There's lots that Eastern Cape is known for, mm. that is good in, which is why we said we can't miss out on an opportunity to expose our BRICS partners in the wealth that Eastern Cape poses. Mm. Oh, well, they, they will also be look, asking you whether um, how you're going to deal with the issue of, because uh, they still have to address the issue of uh, infrastructure, electricity demand as well, because major projects definitely will definitely need uh, opportunity demand. Do you see the, the Eastern Cape as a province where uh, renewable energy projects can happen? Do you have vast land where wind and solar and that can happen? Do you have enough sun? You know, because we know how, I mean, I was in, in Grahamstown, for example, how it always rains and, and, and stuff. So what are opportunities there as far as uh, energy is concerned? What are some of the key message you know of your province, uh, where you come from, but also now what your engagement with the province and the BRICS members in terms of what guarantees are they going to have in terms of would their investment be safe uh, when BRICS members come to invest in the Eastern Cape? Of course, Eastern Cape has a very good climate as okay. the province. Uh, they also have gas okay. that has been discovered in that area, mm. uh, which if you want to invest in that space, I think it's a great opportunity to, to, to identify it. Okay. Of course, that's at the port of, of Ingoha. Yeah. Of course, this does not happen outside the challenges that we all face when we talk about investment. Uh, you'll find many people are opposed to the investment. But the Eastern, Gov Eastern Cape government has partnered with the national government in ensuring that they undertake consultations okay. with all the people that are involved in those areas where these minerals are found. Mm -hmm. And that's very important not to leave the people because you're looking for foreign investors. You ought to bring your domestic investment on board so that your investment can be protected and therefore you'll be able to call upon everyone. And the province is known for good relations, whether you talk about traditional leadership, whether you talk about civic organizations, which is why now it said, let us focus on making sure that everybody in the Eastern Cape understands what we need to, to do and what to protect if we are to bring investors. Mm.
Of course, again, as, as, as you make mention of other things that Eastern Cape has in the energy space, yes, mm. the, the energy instability is, is a cause for concern to everyone. Fortunately, the Minister of Electricity has addressed, even though I was away in China, I've seen, I've had the plans, but I've seen also when he made reference to the plans that they are putting in place in order to deal with load shedding, reducing it first, whilst we are bringing uh, the, the renewables in order to make sure that we can really attend to all of this at once and for all. At the center of it is a plan by the Eastern Cape government mm. that said there's a need to bring investors. I've seen also my home municipality, King Sabada Dalingyabo, wherein they are even calling for investors in order to build a solar farm. This okay. tells you that government at different levels in that province is taking this issue serious because they are aware of the impact of, of the load shedding to whoever that wants to industrialize the area, not just on, on, on purposes of those that must live, have food and whatever, but the industrial impact that it has, not the damage, of course, that it causes to the enterprise that we're talking about. This is why we're saying let's all join hands. Let's make sure that we, we work together to collaborate in order to defeat the challenges that we're faced with by bringing alternative ways. Mm. Reality is that ESCOM is no longer coping and therefore we need to invest in certain technologies. The Minister of Electricity has just left going to China in order for them to come and build as they have committed to come and, and provide us with solar and 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 and, and generators and all of that investment seeks to make sure that we protect the investments that we have whilst we're able to attract new investors again. It's quite important as well. You talk about um, um, engagement as well. Like you, you, you speak of um, the traditional leadership, but the strong synergy between the traditional but also civic and also municipalities and province. That is quite important as well. I mean, during your leg now heading to East, East London, uh, Minister, um, who you, will you be engaging with now um, on the program next week? Well, we engage with the critical stakeholders that are an ecosystem uh, of small businesses. Okay. Small businesses You'll themselves. You'll be quite excited. <laughs> definitely. Small yeah. businesses themselves and big businesses because this is one thing people don't understand that together with big businesses the small businesses we coexist okay. because when we talk about access to markets they become our first market, our first access to market. True. So when we say there's a red tape, it's red tape that also talks to what we must achieve. But the big businesses themselves have an appreciation that they can't be doing everything by themselves they ought to uh, out outsource certain things to 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 to, to small businesses mm. so we're meeting the business chambers we're meeting the 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 the, the traditional leadership as I said we're meeting our counsellors we're meeting critical stakeholders in terms of the farmers across board on entrepreneurs because there's different segments that we have uh, when we talk about the SMMEs and these are the people that help grow and drive the growth of the economy so we're bringing all of those government private sector churches organized business and the entrepreneurs themselves it's quite important as well what are some of the common issues that young businesses are struggling with and you, in, 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 in your ministry you're concerned about, you're speaking to young people about uh, beyond the, the red tape because maybe that, 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 that's on the, on the top of the list. What is on the top of the list and what, what what's the kind of message you send to the youth in the ministry? Probably let, let me start with the popular one mm -hmm. wherein you find young people saying, Minister, we have interest in starting our businesses but we don't know where to go to. 
Okay. And you find others saying, I have a great idea, but I don't have money. When I go to institutions, they ask me for a particular deposit, which fortunately my portfolio does not do. Mm. But at the end of it is to say, we don't have to be big to be the best. Okay. If you dream, it can happen. And that's all we need. The crisis that we're faced with is when everyone expects government to be the one that provides everything. And this is why uh, my team always says, Minister, you, you seem not to like tenders. And I tell them, I'm not against tenders. Yeah. I'm against what people do when they get, most people do okay. when they get the tenders. Because when we introduce the tender system, it was meant to give access to our people that were excluded in the economy. Mm-hmm. But we have not seen many investing in the business when they get those tenders. And my department specifically is the sole department with the responsibility to develop small businesses, mm-hmm. which means we've got to instill entrepreneurship amongst young people in our country because you don't become an entrepreneur when you are old. You are born with it at times or you are nurtured into it by looking at what your mother did that they have to go and sell fruits and whatever. What is it that you take out of that and you utilize the knowledge you've acquired at school to provide the framework to what you would like to do now as i say that most people think that you have to start by being big Mm. i've seen young girls and boys uh, who start just by selling um scones at school what do you call them the queen cakes yeah when there's a birthday they go home, they bake, they use their parents' electricity or gas stove to bake. And that's where it starts. If we then nourish that, if we have an appreciation that all we have to do is to play our mark. And my mark does not mean that it must be yours. I can start by selling sweets. You look at young boys when they grow up, when you buy them cars or guns, they, 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 they disassemble them. Because they take interest in what is inside. And this is what we must nurture. And this is the challenge that is posed to young people of today. Mm. To say that then generation identified its own mission. Now you have a responsibility as young people of our country to identify yours. Mm. It's not entirely up to government. If the likes of Nelson Mandela did it without a government that was supporting them, what's stopping you as young people today when you have an environment that is there that you express yourself to say, this legislation, Minister, you are passing is not going to take us anywhere. Mm. Recently, I've gazetted... um, the amendment on, 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 the, on the small enterprise bill. How many young people have participated in that? The, for the key message is to say, make sure that you're part of the solution. Wow. Go out and read everything that is there and make your voice heard. Whether it's through entrepreneurship, it's through whatever legislation that is passed there, this country works or the system works on legislative environment, starting with those meetings that we never pay attention to. When the councillor calls for ward committee meetings, most people don't attend those. And when bylaws are passed, people then get to blame only when it hits them when they want to trade or do certain things, and they're prohibited by that. So all I'm calling for is for young people to be active. We need an active citizenry with a deliberate focus on what it wants to achieve. Without that, we can bring everything as government, but we're not going to go anywhere. Young people must be involved at all levels. Use the knowledge that you have that you've acquired at school to build from it and help your community so that you become the beacon of hope. Mm. Well, are the people actively engaged? Youth activism beyond politics, where is it? I think that's a challenge that we are faced with as the country. Mm. I don't know if it's because young people feel like it's not necessary to be organized. Mm -hmm. What I 
suspect is happening is that people believe that they can do it as individuals okay. and it has never worked anywhere we get to be successful because we work with each other and this is what young people must appreciate when i made that example of um of china uh, like i'm from china i'm still inspired so i'm going to be quoting it <laughs> we go to a particular village and as you go to this village there's others that are farming roses but when I look at the ecosystem, it's the elderly that is involved in the farm. The young ones, you find them in the production factory. And as you find them in the production factory, you find others on the marketing side. How they've done it is to look across board in terms of the value chain, say we're going to be involved. But listen to this. They're all organized. Whether you go to tech companies, they have small groups of organized young people. Because they're saying when they bounce ideas with each other, they've realized that it becomes very important and it helps them in achieving certain things rather than going silo in silos. This is what we need. Young people must be involved in street committees. And as I say, I know people say they don't want to be involved in politics. But unfortunately, you are surrounded by politics. Mm. It's either... You are in the business of politics or you are in the politics of business. But politics are central. Whether you go to school, what you get to be fed, who provide the content, that's politics. And this is what you come out to use as an individual. Whether you're going to go the entrepreneurship side or you're going to be employed. But you use the framework and that's the political environment that we're talking about. We appeal to young people to really participate in their organized structures. Let, don't be shy by organizing yourselves. It works better. I've seen in the space that I'm in, uh, in small businesses because there isn't lots of organized businesses. There's, you'll find like there's NAFCOG, for example, they have three factions, for God's sake. Mm. And you're like, how, how, how am I going to work with yourselves? We are three groupings. That's a disadvantage on its own. But you go to other races, mm -hmm. they're well organized. They know that all they want is to provide or to occupy the space on trading, for example, on the retail food side. Okay. They know they organize their stock files. Mm. Yeah? They organize their stock files and they help each other there. Young people don't see the need to participate in stock files except for alcohol and few things, those that get involved. But it's about how can we leverage on each other's strength, as I'm saying. Starting a stock file, you set rules in the stock file. And that's an organized environment that you can take up to a banking level. Don't go to what VBS was recently, but when it was established, it was visionary leadership that said we ought to come together, build this bank for our own children yeah. and the society so that we able to look at the issue of the interest rates and everything else that is disadvantaging our people. It's visionary leadership. Even if you want to get into sport, if you want to change certain things, you've got to be organized. And as things stand, not many young people are occupy that space. This is why you get to see business forums that are not business people. Mm. Because people just want to to come in between and advocate for themselves. But if there are structures there that exist, youth in ICT and they look at unpacking the value chain in ICT to say the spectrum that was given, what did we benefit? There's four other they talk about. This data they talk about, who's in control? What does the data policy say? And they look at agriculture. We're seeing that every child goes to McDonald's when it's a birthday or spare and all the things that we do, who provides, who supplies food there? And then what is that is needed? It's for us to be organized to say we're going to have young farmers 
organize we're going to have young people in tech we're going to have young people in retail and and all the other components and then they say we're going to participate in our bylaws mm. we're going to participate in the municipality when they develop the local economic development strategy to say we are here as young people when you give people access to malls at least your policy must be able to say 40% of the people that must supply the mall must come from youth-owned businesses. And if young people understand that, because as I'm saying, they need not fight any appetite. They are just to deliver economic freedom. Mm. They have to benefit and deliver it. It is them that will understand it better. But if they don't follow the process of making the law, then they're going to miss it. Because you can dictate what spa must sell. Mm. Because spa gets to be licensed and given a permission to operate in a particular area. Therefore, what's stopping young people from saying, we want 40% and go and whack the ground? And if they're united, then if they're united and as, as a synergistic group, then they're able to do monitoring as well. They're they able up. to monitor, as I'm saying. They just look at all the value chain. Mm. Others must do, others must think. Because it's different segments, indeed. Mm. It doesn't mean that doers are thinkers. There are those that must just think, provide the framework of how this can work. There are others that just see it and I'm like, I'm going to do it. Mm. So you, you need all that combination. And as you have all of those, then you will have a successful story. Because you are accommodating each and everyone. But if they are not organized, the thinkers do whatever that they think is important. And the doers struggle to find expression in what the thinkers have thought about. That's why it's important to look at the theory of change in whatever that you want to do. Does this theory work? which is the biggest mistake that at times we make. We go to university, we learn about this theory, and we think it's going to work whilst our environment does not allow for that. But if there's a balance and collaboration between the doers and those that have the framework, then we're able to say, how do we tweak mm. for it to make, I mean, to work for us as the people in this area? Mm. It's quite important also now that you, you mentioned this, this organization. Are you as BRICS members talking about what needs... Are you finding similarities as BRICS members to say youth in China are facing this, Brazil, India, China, uh, South Africa, that there are similarities and you're looking at how do we then grow small business in the in your respective countries as well? Is that engagement happening? Because also if uh, the members of the Diplomatic Corps are coming to East London, you want them to be engaged with the youth in the Eastern Cape to say, these are the opportunities happening and share experience with what the youth in their own countries are going with. Well, one of the things that we have identified that is common amongst the BRICS plus countries mm. is the fact is the, is, is the issue that there's high levels of inequality amongst our citizens. Okay. Inequality yeah. amongst our citizens. Those that are rich are very rich. Those that are poor are very poor. It doesn't mean there aren't strides by governments to try to address that. So as we look at the inequalities, we then go back to say, what drives the growth of our economy? And in all these uh, BRICS plus countries, we all agree that what will drive the growth and transform our economies is when we invest more in small and medium enterprises. But as much as you want to do that, you look at the concentration of the markets in terms of production, as we see. And this is cutting across all these countries. Now we say, okay, the markets are concentrated. There's high levels of inequality in our country. Have we invested a lot in innovation? You find that two or three countries have invested a lot in innovation, but others are still lagging behind. How do we then, as we identify these challenges, say we're going to, Leapfrog by partnering with this one in order to help us to, to achieve or overcome the challenge that we are faced with. Now, coming together, as I said, the importance of forming this BRICS not only to target or deal with political challenges, 
economic challenges, security also is is at the center of that. Mm -hmm. And if we understand that, it means we may not be good in deploying nuclear and other things, but one of the countries that we are in partnership may be able to. But at the end of it is respecting each other's sovereignty. Mm. Because each and every country, as I said, has to protect its own citizens in a manner that they see is best suited. It same applies to the challenges that we are faced with. Others say we're going to invest a lot in innovation because we want to be a champion of producing ABCD. For example, if you look at China amongst the BRICS countries, it's doing very well on innovation. You look at Russia, its security is on another level. What is that we bring on board as we identify all these challenges? Of course, the first thing is to say, now, if we're talking about highly concentrated markets, it means we've got to deal with the challenge. Why are small businesses not finding expression? In other countries, small businesses, they contribute 40% to the GDP. That's a lot. Yes, in other countries, because they've invested in them. But for those that have not invested a lot, how do we then unbundle these markets that are concentrated? Of course, the issue of capital comes comes at hand to say you need to incentivize your small businesses. And this is one thing that we agree on with the BRICS countries that let us we incentivize big businesses anyway. We, we give if you go to trade and industry there's lots of things if you come and invest in South Africa we give you this but it never happens with small businesses now Why this is is that? I is think there a lack of legislation framework or I think the framework that is then never really focused on small businesses. We just treated them as businesses. And therefore, as we embark on trade engagements, we forget that the smaller guys that must be taken to consideration, which is why here in South Africa specifically, we said, let's have a dedicated department for small mm-hmm. businesses that mm-hmm. must champion their interests, whether it's on export level or domestic level. And this is why, as I said, we now looking at the legislations that we have to say that legislation under the tourism department does not favor small businesses. Therefore, let it be repealed. Let's make amendments. We've identified a long list of legislations that are prohibiting small businesses from participating meaningfully in the economy. And across board, it's not only in South Africa. Mm. Across board, these are the challenges that we are seeing. And now we're beginning to say our eyes are getting opened and therefore let's change how we've been doing things. And as that happens, we do believe things will change. And of course... As, as South Africa, we've got to do more in terms of investing in small businesses. As things stand, government spends only 1% in small businesses. But the fortunate thing is that we have a government that has realized its own mistake. That if we are to achieve what we spoke about in the National Development Plan, that we need to create 11 million jobs by 2030. And out of that 11 million jobs, 90% come from small enterprises. Is the NDP not me or saying that? Yeah, that ninety percent. Now it means, yeah. as we've been investing in certain areas, we have failed in investing in this sector. Therefore, there's a need for us. That's why, as I'm saying, we are creating a conducive environment through legislative process. Mm. We are establishing a new agency that will be formed out of CIFA, CEDA and the CBDA in order to create a one-stop center for the for the small businesses. We are, in, we are developing an integrated system that when you want to register a business, we have the municipality, we have CIPC, you have SARS, you have UIF in one place Please. instead of having to hop around trying to, 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 to get all these things together. Mm. We are also in negotiating in terms of the incentives, as I said. But at the end of it, is that that even when you're given an opportunity to trade as a small business, people don't 
honor payment timelines supposed to be paid in 15 days and 30 days people don't honor that and there's nowhere small business can go to as things stand they write to the minister of small business development but really that the law does not empower me because that's dealt with at national treasury and now we said we're establishing the ombuds office okay. which must specifically look at the interests of small businesses that are victimized so as we do all of this whilst we're tackling the licensing environment tackling the access to 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 to, to one-stop services then we're also looking at, at the ombuds and that's eliminating some of the red tapes that mm-hmm. people are complaining about we are in a process as we work with salga in a process of having them developing common or standardized by laws in certain areas where necessary so that it doesn't become too different if you look at the issue of the payment uh, permit fees mm. other municipalities they use that as, as a revenue generation and we're telling them for your local economy to grow you've got to enable SMMEs you can't want to punch them because they want to be in business you've got to look at the zoning costs that you have for those that want access to land mm. so now what we're doing is to bring together at municipal level the special planning and the LED unit we're elevating those to say you have have to talk to each other because you can't continue excluding small business that they must go and trade somewhere and then in the areas where there's demand they're excluded so that integration in terms of planning becomes critical and this is what we are doing uh, championing as the department working with the different stakeholders in order to address some of those and we are certain that it's going to spill over to other countries in africa if you look at Kenya, it's doing very well in terms of the creation of, 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 the, of the one-stop center. You apply now, you do everything now, in, within an hour you have everything that you expected, including opening an account. And we are saying all things are made possible at times through digitizing services. Mm. This is why we're saying even the new agents that we're creating has to operate or function in a hybrid manner. Those that want to have access to it through technology, let them have access to it. Those that want to walk in and engage with Humans, they must have that 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 that, that possibility. Now, um, I quoted Kenya, which mm. means already we're learning within the African continent. Yeah. You go to Rwanda; they also have their strength. So we're taking all of those and say, as I made an example with what China has, how do we then look around and address the challenges by learning from each other, and having exchange programs that must take us to to greater heights? And we believe if we are able to do that, as the BRICS Plus, we'll be able to really improve and take our entrepreneurs to greater heights. I'm quite, uh, uh, Madam Minister, I, I'm really quite excited about that because it looks like uh, we need to regularly speak because if we, 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 we're hearing these important issues that are on the pipeline that you're working on in the, in the ministry but also the department in general, it's important that we regularly update, uh, you know, the rest, even our embassy staff in various missions who will be looking for investments in, in various... Cause if they're, lis- they're listening to us and say, I mean, I, I serve in South African mission in, in Cambodia, I'm in, in the South African mission in, 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 in Swaziland, in, 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 in Kenya, for example, I'm lo- always looking for opportunities to attract South African investment as well. So this co- consistent conversation with us really, really is pivotal so that we can know in terms of legislative-wise, where are we? What are some of the, the, the red tapes that we've been able to address? You know, things that, those bottlenecks that we talk about is quite, it's quite significant. I want to draw into a conclusion. There's this thing that young people um, talk about. Please, squeezing in more industry, you know. I want to find out, why should young people be investing? I'm sure, I know you're going to say, invest in everything that you feel like you can actually invest. Where money at this very small business is concerned. Is it on tech? Is it on agriculture? Is it a mix of, of m- almost everything? Where is the money at? You're on small business. So please tell us, Ipimal, in terms of the industry. 
Well, I'm um, also looking at what BRICS countries are interested in. Yes, manufacturing. Okay. There's money. But it's expensive too. In the, not really. Okay. There's light manufacturing. Oh. And if you go to the department that I'm responsible for, you find that CEDA does provide some equipment of up to 1.2 million. Of course, we call for people to apply yeah. because we work on budgets and time frames. But now what we've introduced, for example, on the Township and Rural Enterprise Program, we said there are those that just need grass cutting machines, just basic things up to 250,000 rands. So let's buy the it's a grant level. So, although we had the 1.21, now we've introduced the smaller scale of 250,000. But if you go to the department for the informal sector, we have a scheme that goes up to 40,000 rand. We buy them, those that want to buy sewing machines, um, stoves, baking stoves, we buy those, that's a grant. At the manufacturing level, as I spoke about in that scheme, that is a grand level. You go to one of the products that we have at CIFA, it's, it's, for, for, it's for small uh, manufacturing. It goes up to 15 million rents. It's a blended financing, uh, 30% being grant. And of course, when you take the, 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 the blended financing, we give you a payment period or holiday of, of six months. Because we understand that if you start manufacturing now, it doesn't mean that next month already you're going to be generating pro- profit. But we understand that that grant element can help you take care of certain things and when we give you a break for six months not paying interest or anything you start paying after six months at least the factory would have stabilized but at the side of it is saying I'm not establishing this factory because I want government to buy from me mm-hmm. because this is the mistake that people do they make businesses to be dependent on business on government government only contributes 30% to the GDP 70% is in the private hands that's why I said we need to understand that we have to coexist with big businesses and that's why as the department through our national integrated small enterprise uh, development plan we involved all the economy all the ecosystems the critical players in the ecosystem big businesses themselves to say there's a legislation in this country for example the triple act which says uh, in it there's a particular component three percent of your annual turnover must go towards enterprise supplier development and this is where the manufacturing happens but we are saying don't just spend this three percent on anything mm. if we are talking to you as tiger brands to to say you are supposed to spend three percent but you have not managed to spend let us tell you where you spend because we're looking at the economic growth drivers and we say you bring 10 companies we bring 10 which means we fund we call fund and then make sure that the products that you are importing can be replaced by south africans that's access to a market yeah we recently funded a company that does um, Amacrate, you see the crates, whether for drinks, for bread, and whatever yeah. the crates. Uh-huh. Yes, we recently funded a, a smaller company, and Tiger Brands got to commit to say we're going to buy from, from them. So that's what we're doing. As we engage with big businesses, we say there's a need for us because we have, through our economic recovery and reconstruction plan, a part that talks to localization. Mm. How do we then make sure that we replace all these imports? We can't replace them at a goal, but we have to build that capacity. But that capacity can't be built by government only. So we call upon entrepreneurs to partner with us whilst we are also partnering with the private sector. For example, one of the things that we have requested uh, in Cabinet is that Cabinet should give us um, a go-ahead to administer the EST component of the triple B E. Because this thing stand is with, is with uh, DTIC. Okay, what's we, that? 
for people with the, 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 the enterprise supplier development component, the 3% contribution that I was talking about yeah. are from big companies. Yeah. Um, so that 3% we are saying in it, make sure that you take 15% of whatever amount that the 3% equates to. If your 3% is 300,000, take 15% of that. Invest in small businesses in the townships. Take another 15%, invest in small businesses in the rural areas. But in the entire 3%, make sure that you take 67%, you split it across to the capital, but small businesses need funding, you, you, you spend it on, on equipment that they need and any other thing, then take 33% for training. Because all of us are talking training when we talk to ASD. So we're like, okay, we see, but there's also a need for these areas. And these are the areas that can help us to be able to industrialize and be able to say, as I said, manufacturing is a leading sector that creates jobs and makes money. If you go to the agricita, mm. every day you eat. Whether you're employed or not employed, yeah, there's business. money there. There's <laughs> money there. We yeah. get to, in the clothing industry, mm. there's lots of money in that space. In the tech industry, not as consumers, uh-uh. because now what we do is to say, there's tech, okay, I'm going to use this for my business. What are you going to do? What can you develop? What can you innovate? As things stand, if, as you look at the global politics, if the big countries that we're using their systems can decide to say South Africa, we're closed. Nobody can get paid. Mm. It's the reality. Mm. So now we're saying as, as the small business development, let us invest in that sector but expose them because there's lots of people who are developing systems in, in South Africa but they're not given an opportunity to showcase in government. So we said to the portfolio, we are the ones that are responsible to develop small businesses. Let us test those systems, of course, they have to be approved by CETA, which has an open source, so we get to interact with them and the state security that must make sure that the information will, will be safe. That's the third, I said, manufacturing, the agri-sector, the tech sector, the energy space. We need entrepreneurs that must not say, well, we're going to come and resell. We're tired of our reseller. Okay. Yes, you make money by reselling, but we want innovation. Yeah. How can you help us solve this problem? So we said we've been setting aside a dedicated funding for that, working with the CSIR mm. and, and the Department of Minerals and Energy. In that space, people need solar, need everything that is there. We visited a factory recently um, in, oh, I'm too bad with the names. In four in four ways. Yeah. They're a tech company using technology. They're providing their own energy, something that I saw very strange. You, you have to leave your phone when you're coming to this to that office or warehouse. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why must I leave my phone? Because, Minister, we use lots of, of uh, magnetic stuff. Ooh. Yes, they're providing their own energy. So we said, oh, we can help you guys get SABS, get the department to make sure that you get everything in terms of, of the approvals. You know, there's lots of approvals in our country. But it's something that we're saying, can't we take an initiative to invest in this? Mm. As we talk about powering the small... Um, Small enterprise zones, because that's what we're doing if you listen to my budget vote. Mm. We said we want SMME zones, your small markets that are occupied by, by small businesses, but they must be powered because right now we know ESCOM has a challenge. Yeah. So we're looking at alternative technologies that we can use in that space, and therefore we're calling upon entrepreneurs in the energy space to come and showcase that it's another opportunity because the country is in a crisis as things stand. Mm. All right, um, you heard right. So you got, to, uh, but there's more. Uh, I, I know, but Madam Minister, I really want to to thank you so much for your time, and I'm envious. 
Uh, but the good thing is that Ubuntu Radio will be there broadcasting from um, East, East, East London where you will be able to tell South Africans what's going on and although this engagement with the youth and the diplomatic community will be able to bring it to our audience in the African continent and also throughout our high commission and embassies um, that uh, our South Africans are saving all over the world to be able to know um, what BRICS countries are talking about in terms of opportunities for South Africans in their respective countries, but also them interested in ours so that they can help us facilitate those important engagements. So I'm, I'm quite thrilled that you can make an opportunity for us on this Youth Day to come and speak to, to us about this important program that you'll be spearheading in, uh, in Eastern Cape. Really, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to other engagements yeah. wherein we come in and unpack each sector. Yeah, absolutely. 